In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast, where we focus on real men doing real life in real time while living in the stress bubble of life. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed, saying, The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood the man card belongs to those protecting integrity fighting apathy pursuing god passionately leading courageously and finishing strong a man is as a man does enjoy today's episode to those who are in the arena we We salute salute you. you guys we honor you for getting it done in the stress bubble of life. We're in this together, guys. We are out of the bleachers. We're in the arena. We are fighting. We are wielding the sword. We are standing on behalf of those we love and those communities we love, those churches we love, those people we love, those family members we love, and we are getting it done. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. We're excited that you're subscribing. We're so excited you're listening. Guys, we want to call you into the arena. We want to call you out of everything that's hindering you from being the best version of you. We want to call you up to a higher level of manhood. I'm Jim Ramos. I'm here with the, my producer and co-host, Dale Culver. Keeping it simple today, baby. Keeping, keeping it, it simple. simple. How you doing, man? Just keeping it real. How many days until your cruise? Five days, but no one's counting. It's five days from now? I thought you were leaving this well, Thursday. Well, we fly out, but I'm confused. the actual cruise that leaves the port is five days, 21 minutes. You're flying out this Thursday. Yeah, but you don't actually get on the boat until... Where are you celebrating Christmas? Uh, Cozumel. Oh, you are? How are you hauling all the presents over? Uh, it's not about presents. <laughs> Just kidding, man. Just kidding. <laughs> Do you got a man word for us today? Hey, guys, before we go into the man word, we have no guest on our show today. Uh, we decided to do a special episode uh, just reflecting on the last 100 of our podcasts. So several, a couple weeks ago, we celebrated our 100th podcast, and David Murrow was the man we interviewed. And we just thought it'd be fun for us to sit down together in the studio and just brainstorm some things we took away from a couple key uh, podcast so um and we so gave away a knife we gave away a knife to aj davis yeah yeah and he lives in virginia yeah i thought it's what his facebook said but he actually lives in uh carlton 
Oh, are Oregon. You serious? So he drove to my house and picked it up, and he was oh, stoked. He drove to the house all yes. the way from Virginia. Yeah, he was pumped. Anyway, oh, that's so, so funny. Well, what a blessing. So there you I'm go, gonna, AJ. I'm gonna, huh, yeah, go shout out. Get to it, AJ. Anyway, don't cut yourself, buddy. That, that sucker's sharp. <laughs> there might be hair on my it hair still is from Jim. barely growing back. He has my <laughs> DNA, so uh, I did not commit a felony. Hey, so um, your man word. I'm going to guess the man word okay. based on today's podcast. Uh-huh. And I kind of told you what I was going to say, but I'm going to change something because I think you might have thrown a curveball at me and say the word is celebrate. Mm, that would have been a good one. Yeah. That's not the word. I was going with hindsight. Hindsight. Yeah. You sure that's one word? It is one word, bro. Oh, okay. Google All right. It. I'm, I'm Googling it right now. So talk to me about hindsight. Uh, when I was why, in private that? school, I remember uh, learning this word. <laughs> okay. Why did so, you choose that word? You know what? I think about where we came from. I remember when we first started out, we were plugging in the uh, Yeti mic into the laptop, yeah. and the sound quality was just like, eh. And uh, yeah. the format that we were doing things, um, figuring out what was not working. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then just changing. So if we could have started you know, where we're at now, I mean, had somebody come along and said, hey, this is how you could do it the best or whatever, because I had no idea. You're like, hey, so I'm bringing you on staff, and you're going to learn how to podcast. I'm like, yeah. do what? <laughs> I so, think you've done a great job. I mean, it, without without you, we wouldn't have a podcast. But we, so. we keep learning as we're going, and uh, it's been pretty awesome. And so I think back to my the first podcast where you interviewed me, and it's like, man, we should just delete that thing. <laughs> Let's do it Our over. Our first three or four <laughs> were guys that were great guys, but I thought they were just – yeah. We just didn't have a whole lot of direction. You look back and you're like, I'm embarrassed by those. But yeah, I'm not. I mean, I look back when I was three years old, four years old, I started learning. How, I learned how to ride a bike. Well, compared to now, that's embarrassing. But we've got to go through the process. Right. Yep. So, yep. Uh, yeah, I look back and I thought, you know, we had a, one set of questions that we used for every guy. Right. And that slowly morphed into this format we're using now, which is basically doing research on the man. And trying to ask pointed questions that he will be passionate about or have great experience in. Right. The other thing we did, we started off with our podcast being twenty minutes total length, twenty minutes or thirty minutes total length, twenty minutes of interview, ten minutes of intro and banter that we do. And I think our guests have changed too. Uh, we started off with real men doing real life in real time, and we still have that element woven into the podcast, but. To grow something, we needed to get traction, and those guys, uh, and they're amazing men. I mean, these are these are amazing men. But to get traction, we've had to go to men who are involved in book writing and speaking and podcasting and and doing different things while still putting these men into the podcast. And so, um, and when you're interviewing them, you're finding that these guys are that guy living in the stress bubble life that is just like you and I, but something happened where he just went to the next level. Yeah, and, and the a next door opened yeah, up. Yeah. And the next level may not mean they as a person went to the next level. We've interviewed I mean West Stafford, we've interviewed some guys that are phenomenal human beings. But you know, like John Eldridge, here's a guy who's just like a normal guy. I mean, obviously he's got great writing skills and he's very, very intelligent. But what a great guy. Just mm-hmm. a salt of the earth guy. We've had other guys on the podcast who will remain or remain unnamed that we walked away going, Wow, this guy's guy i don't want to have on the show anymore and so uh it's just interesting these are just real guys uh, that we're interviewing no matter who they are and i'm learning stuff from guys shannon mckirk uh his positive attitude you know john gordon this guy's becoming an international figure 
and his, you know, his he's all about positivity, but his personality was so engaging and so yeah. fun with that guy. And West Stafford, just the authenticity behind this guy. Well, I went guy. home after John Gordon, and I've I've been trying to do this since day one with my family. Mm-hmm. But with my kids, when they say stuff, I'm like, you guys, seriously, positivity in our home. Come on, if it ain't positive, shut your mouth. Seriously, yeah, yeah. let's breathe life in this home. Yeah. <laughs> so well, these guys, all good. these, all these guys that we've had on that I would say are great in an area. You know, West Stafford, John Eldridge, uh, you know, John Gordon. Some of these guys, all of these guys, uh, even recently, we probably won't be uploaded until after this podcast. You know, Jeff Voth. All of these guys, they go for it, and they're they talk about risk like it's everyday part of life. And for me, that's been something that's really been. Um, inspiring to just go, just put it out there and to take the risk. And that's okay. So often a nonprofit organization, we consider money before everything else. And, and really that's not even got it. That's can't even be on the table. If it fails, it fails. If we don't have a compelling enough vision to uh, drive the ministry forward, to take great, great risks, then we deserve to be gone and we don't deserve to exist anymore. But if we have a compelling vision with 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 tremendous risk taking and leadership, uh, again backed by the power of God, obviously, uh, we can do tremendous things. You know, Link, uh, Abraham Lincoln once said, "Impossibilities vanish when a man and his God confront the mountain." And I think that's part of it, it's that confronting the mountain. And so, well, I, I just want to go back, man, and I, I asked you to get the names of several podcast uh, guests. And some things they said or did that really inspired you. And I wrote down a couple, just looking back, uh, before uh, episode 100, uh, including 100. And so do you have any there? In hindsight, you know, well, yeah, I, I stood still, out to you. I still think back to Von Monaghan's episode. Uh, you remember which one that one was? Episode 12. Yeah, that's way back there. You know, I had him written down, too. He made one comment that I thought was something that was noteworthy, and I bet you you have the same one that I have. Was it uh, bubble bath? The time? bubble bath time. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. So how did out of all of our episodes, why did that one stand out for you? Well, you know that was pretty awesome. That you know you're going to lock down the phones, you're going to go in and take a bubble bath with your wife, and and he said what Jeff Voth in that podcast. Cave time. Yeah, in cave time. Uh, honey, tell me your heart. I want to know your heart, and what can I do to uh, help you? Now, now Vaughn's pretty fortunate. They have a, a bubble bath that, that work. It's like a hot tub. Right. Now, for us, my wife and I actually will go out into our hot tub. Same here. Or we will go have a cup of coffee. But what the bottom line that, that I took away from Vaughn's interview is find time once a week. And if you're in the bubble and you've got little kids in the home, make the time. We used to hire a babysitter. Well, as a youth pastor, I had a free babysitter. And, and they would, he or she, whoever it would be that week, would come over and for two hours every Thursday night, Shan and I went on a date, and the date would be going to Goodwill or just going to Burger King and hanging out. It was we had no money, but or just going to watch the sunset in Morro Bay. But we had people in our lives to give us that time so that we could have a weekly date night. Now Jeff calls it cave time. Vaughn calls it bubble bath time. You know the the pro the the thing is that we have to make time to honor our wives and make them feel special. And we don't do that regularly. The relationship begins to break down. It does. So yeah. I agree. And uh, another one that I had. Well, wait, are we rotating or are we just going to let you go through your list? Yeah. Well, okay. I'm going to go through mine because mine will be yours. So uh, <laughs> if we're working if we're working back up the mountain here, my next one will be number number 33 with Nick Pelequin. And this would not be what you think it is, but Nick is a amazing young man. He's single. He has no children. He's uh, got a college education and he's moving around trying to find his way in life. And 
And our interview with him really impacted me because I know this guy. He's a phenomenal young man. He's going to do some great things in his life. But right now in his life, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And I think there's something. And I, when I was his age, he's, he's further along than I was. But I didn't know what I didn't know. I mean, I had energy. I had passion. I had definitely had an opinion. But I didn't understand how things really worked because I hadn't been involved and engaged in the real world as an adult with a wife and with children and with a full-time job, a stable job. And I, I was just, it was just interesting listening to Nick just reflecting saying, man, you know, we as older guys have a responsibility to help those younger men navigate, navigate through life and to navigate through their passion and their ignorance, because there's an ignorance of youth and there's a passion. And if those two, if those two can't be tempered we've got a that man can have a, an issue so we want to we want to have a convergence of passion with wisdom and ignorance with life experience to help these young guys and nick's going places you know but i just was struck at some of the the comments that he made and we laughed during the interview and we bantered back and forth because he just didn't have that experience to know and so that was right. uh as a guy who really admires uh nick just watching him grow through life is gonna be really really fun for me right well, uh, uh, number 19 is going backwards. 19. 19, going backwards. Dylan Zook. Oh, that was a great podcast. So the title of that is Discipline So You Can Have Freedom. And uh, and he's one that he, he's, as a young guy, has made really good decisions. Yeah. That has helped him to uh, have freedom to do great things. And so now he's a, a military man. Yeah. And, uh, Marine, right? Yeah. Yeah. And with a college degree, yes, going to be an officer, mm-hmm. right? Yes, yeah. He's a he's a phenomenal young man. He's I think he's probably twenty five now, right? Twenty. But here's a guy who made the hard decisions while he was young, and now he's reaping the benefits of it as he's getting older. And I think that's a, I think right. that's important to note that that life is more serious than we think when we're young. When we're young, we think, oh, we can do whatever we want; it doesn't have any consequences. But what happens is. We realize the consequences of our actions between, let's say, 14 and 25 will carry us through life and we'll struggle through through life. And, and one of the things that we talk about often is the things I celebrated in my youth I'm now ashamed of. Right, exactly. And, I, and, I, and, and he I, doesn't have to carry that. Yeah, and there's victory in that. And, and Nick Pelican was the same way. He's made these great decisions. So these are young men that are propelling themselves through life where – other young men who've made bad decisions, they, they, it's like dragging an anchor around. And you know, I, people say to me, well, God will give you freedom. Well, that's not always true. And what, let me explain what I mean by that. You know, if you have a kid out of wedlock, you have a kid out of wedlock, and you will have that child for the rest of your life. If you get a divorce while you're young, you get a divorce while you're young, and you will carry that throughout. Now, you can pray about it, you can get healed, but that divorce is still there. And so there's a sometimes there's a pie in the sky thing that says you can have this total, you know, even for me like the memories of of past relationships, you know, these things are there. And so people think, "Oh, God can do this." Well, God can, but but we also need to realize what the Bible says that we reap what we sow. Right? Galatians right. 5, 7 and 8. And so the Bible says, "Do not be deceived, a man will reap what he sows." And so we've got to be really careful to realize if I have if I have if I have sown sin in my life, I will reap that, and that can go in many forms. And so, yeah, God delivers, and yeah, you can have freedom. But a lot of guys struggle with things from their past because they didn't realize how serious their decisions were when they were 20 and how they will impact their life when they're 30 or 40 or 50. So, yeah. 
Well, uh, mine would be, I'm going to go to lesson 48, which I think will probably be on your list, Dale. But I bet you we uh, have different things that stood out. When we interviewed Wes Stafford, that was a big deal. Uh, episode 48. Now, Wes, uh, as you know, is the Compassion International's uh, president for 20 years. He was in charge of over 2 million children in his stewardship. He has said often that he's 10 seconds away from crying for a child. And what he had to say in his podcast was unbelievable. You know, I was impacted with Wes because he's a guy that I really want to emulate in many ways. And and for me, the impact of Wes's interview is a little bit different. Here's a guy who is deeply, deeply passionate with about children. He's This is a man who has had dinner with presidents. He's probably in the top 100 Christian influencers in the last 30 years. Uh, this guy's amazing, and he is all about children, and we are all about changing the world one man at a time. But I was interested when I, we talked to Wes on this podcast. He said, if we could just fix the men, we would solve 80% of the world's problems. Now, here's a guy who's given his life to children, acknowledging that if we could just go and fix the men, we can fix the children 80% of the time. And this is a huge issue. You know, we have so many, this really stood out to me because so many organizations are are fighting these great causes for children or youth or families or, uh, you know, a, a sex trafficking or against divorce or, or dr- drug addiction. But if we can just fix the men, if we can just put our resources into men, we're going to fix 80% of the problem. And even, and so that just really inspired me. And I thought, you know, this cause that we're dying on, it's a worthy hill to die on. And we need to get more men to join the arena and to fight on the, for the cause of men because our vision and our cause is worth dying for. And it demands our full attention, all of our resources, and we need to be all in on the behalf of men. So that really impacted me. I agree. That, that is so huge. And I just get all these, these pictures of like uh, men in these villages uh, that go out and they hunt and they provide and they protect and um, like in the days of old. Uh, yeah. And what yeah. it would look like now if men all did that and uh, took care of uh, those things. But wh- one of the things from that that really got me, and I've shared it with uh, young adults that we lead, is the whole um, figure out what it is that wrecks you and get behind that that thing mm. and keep going. Never give up. Keep going. Don't sit there uh, when things aren't going exactly the way you wanted them to go, the way you yeah. thought it was going to happen, because usually you and I both know that you will set off uh, on a worthy cause, and it doesn't necessarily go exactly the way you had yeah. planned. Yeah. And so you don't jump ship. You just keep going. Yeah. And uh, so I think a lot of times things get maybe a little rough, and people jump ship, and they go, well, maybe it's just not meant to be. Now you're just not you're just not willing to put the work in. So yeah. keep going after it. Everybody wants to be at the top of the uh, top of the mountain, but they aren't willing to climb to get there. Yeah. You know, I want to so, take a helicopter and drop me yeah. off. Yeah. Any other episodes that resonate with you? Um, I've got three more on my list. Do you really? Yeah, just three things that stood out when I first thought about them. Yeah. Um, you want me to share one? Go ahead, because I had something and my brain just went. Well, number 74, Hunter James. You know, that, that oh, one, yeah. here's a 24-year-old man. I think he just got married a week ago. His interview impacted me in this way. Do something radical. Do something mm-hmm. great. Do something larger than life. Do something nobody else has done before. You know, he and his dad swam the Murray River in Australia. It's a 1,500-mile 
long river. And I saw pictures of this river. This isn't like a this is a river. This is like the size of the Columbia River. Now, like, have you met his you, father? No, not yet. I, I met his dad and hung out with him right before Hunter got married. And his dad does not have the physique of a swimmer. No. So it's even more impressive, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, just to have this young man do this swimming. And they swam downstream, right? Downstream? They swam downstream. Yeah. Had to have swam downstream. Yeah. I yeah. mean, just the sto- just the, that they did this, it just hit me like, get, you know, get in there and do something. And here's what else hit me with that podcast. You know, you never drift upstream. You know, when when a man stops moving, when a man stops doing the things that make him a man, he's going to drift downstream. He's going to get swept away with a current, and that's a dangerous place to be. And so I just think that we have a lot of guys that aren't putting in the effort and are just coasting. And well, I, and one of the things he said, too, was, you know, neither one of them were swimmers. Yeah. And there was many, many days they got up in the morning and went, I don't want to do this. Yeah. But they got in the water anyways. Yeah. And so you just got to get up and grind it out. Grind it out. I mean, that, that's what that's what we do. Grind it out. That's it's it's so easy to be soft. You know, it so, is. Uh what about you? Got another episode you're thinking that well, really impacted you? Uh, Rick Robinson. And Rick, good yeah, friend of mine. Yeah, one of my number best friends. Actually, sixty-four is Rick Robinson. Sixty-four. Number sixty-four. It was that long ago. Yeah. August, oh gosh. August second, it went live. Um, and we had talked about generosity and taking the things that we've been given and and uh, and using those for good and helping others out. And you know, if we get narrow-minded and start thinking about ourselves, um, it'll always. We'll always be just thinking about ourselves and not do anything that's going to really impact the greater good. Well, you know, it's funny. Rick, in that interview, told a story about he was walking uh, into Jerusalem and they went through the gate, a gate that's called the Eye of the Needle. And Jesus had a parable and he said, hey, oh, I can't remember that. What did he say? Uh, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's more difficult than going through the Eye of a Needle. Mm-hmm. And basically, this apparently this gate is so small that in order to get a camel through, that's loaded. You got to take all the stuff off the camel, get the camel through, then reload the camel. And Rick was actually watching this happen, and he heard the audible voice of God speak to him about giving. And I don't want to get on get into this too much, but Rick is one of the most generous men I've ever met, and uh, and he doesn't like talking about it because it's none of our business. It's between him and God. But but that story really impacted me. Here's a friend of mine who was one of my best friends who I don't even realize had this experience, and who was deeply impacted. Uh, with generosity. And I think if men can understand generosity, I was talking to my wife yesterday, and we were talking about uh, tipping. Our, we had a gift certificate, and the waitress at the, the restaurant we were having our date night at said, you don't have to tip me. It's a gift certificate. And we said, oh, yeah, we're tipping you. I mean, we tipped her like 25%. But Shanna made a comment. She goes, I want to be one of those people that tips 25% and 100%. And I go, let's just be those people. <laughs> but the, see, the mentality right. is I can't be those people. Yeah, right. just be that person. Right. We, you know, we were at a restaurant, and I shared this on a podcast before, where we tipped the righteous 100%. Yeah, it hurts, but just be that person. Bless somebody. Commit to giving and being generous. Yeah, so I think for me, Dale, uh, John Eldridge has been a hero of mine. I read uh, his book, Wild at Heart, three times. I read it in, in 2001, then I read it in 2010, then I read it in 2008, 17. And uh, and interviewing John was so inspiring to me, just because he's the real deal. He's a he's a a real guy. He's funny. He's a man's man. Uh, he 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 speaks language that that we can understand as men. And the thing that really hit me with John is we were going through a, a rapid fire round, and I was doing a word association with him, and the word was men, and he said dead, 
Mm. And that, that men today are dead. And I don't want to be that man. I want to be alive. You know, in his book, Wild at Heart, on a page about 178, he said, let the world feel the weight of who I am and let them deal with it. And that's, that's what an, a man who is alive does. He, he lives in such a way that people may scratch their heads, they may shake their heads, they may, they may nod their heads, but that they do not forget that man because men are not made to be anonymous. Men are made to feel the weight. You want to feel the weight of that man in the world, but the world is saying, no, we don't want to feel your weight. And so as men, we've got to make a decision. Do we shrink back and accept the culture's uh, uh, mandate to us to be anonymous? Or do we say, no, I'm jumping in the arena. I'm picking up the sword. I'm going to fight. And that fight may be the battle for over, you know, being the best at my job. It may be over being the best husband I can be. It, you know, these battles aren't world-altering battles. But when a man gets it, everyone wins in his world, in the context of the world in which he lives. Everyone wins. And so we want the world to feel our weight. I want to live every day of my life. And and John has helped me uh, to do that in his writing. So I really did appreciate uh, that's him. awesome. Well, um, if you went over to podcast number 66. 66. That is with Dave Mendenhall. Oh, that, I, was a t- that was a good one. When we walked out of that, it was like, man, I, I think I need, to, I need to lay down. <laughs> I am. I well, am the spent. realities of porn. Yeah, pornography, which is a huge, huge issue for men. Yeah, lust. I mean, I I battle lust. You battle lust. Uh, most men. I I've rarely met a man who said, who doesn't battle lust on some level. Right. How did that impact you? Well, I mean, it just really, if we could somehow eradicate the porn industry and lust issues, um, I th- I think it would just turn this world around uh, in a huge, huge way. And it's such a big deal, and I think a lot of times it's easier to ignore for men than to hit head on and do something about it. Well, I don't think that I don't think we can I don't think we can ever fix the lust issue. No, let me explain that because as visual objects, lust goes back to goes back to the it goes all the way back. I mean, people argue the whole issue with Adam and Eve that there was there was there was the serpent was dressed maybe in a lustful way for the woman. We don't know. I mean, Jeff Voth in his book, Defending the Feminine Heart, he alludes to the fact that Satan was dressed in a way that was appealing. We don't know what that what that happened there, but we know lust has been a part of the church and a part of the world forever. But what we can fix is we can fix our response as men to situations where we're tempted to lust. Right. We can build guardrails around mm-hmm. our electronic devices. Mm-hmm. We can build guard guardrails around our wives. We can build guardrails around our daughters. We can build guardrails around our communications with other women and our interactions. So we can defeat this industry, and we can defeat this. But really, if you want to beat the porn industry, it's a responsibility that leads solely on the shoulders of men. Men have to uh, step up and work on this. It's a huge problem. Yeah, Huge problem. So, Darn right. Uh, the last one I had down, and I just want to go back to our episode 100, uh, David Murrow in his podcast said something that really struck a chord with me. And and when I'm going back and I'm reviewing these 100 episodes, I'm, I'm looking for things that I heard that I'll never forget. And Dave made a comment that I'd never thought about before when he compared Islam to Christianity. And, you know, the natural response is, oh, they're bad, we're good. You know, we do everything better than them. They're the enemy, this and that. And a lot of that, I, I get it. But what hit me in Islam, if the more religious... The more religious a man is, 
in the Islamic community, the more of a man he is seen as being. So the more religious, the greater the man, the more of a man, the more masculine a man. In Christianity, the more religious a man is, the less of a man he appears by other men. So so you can see how Christianity, in America at least, I think it's global. I think we've we've created this Jesus that isn't biblical, and men are just not attracted to that Jesus. We've 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 put songs in our church that don't appeal to men. We've got pastors in the pulpit that that never led and don't know how to lead, but they got a piece of paper that says they're a doc, a pastor now, or a doctor, or a master's degree, and now they can be teaching and leading. And what we need to do is we need to really identify Jesus as the biblical Jesus, because Christianity should have the most manly men on the planet. I love I love what Jeff both said in his book. Jesus is the ultimate alpha male. He even said it. I am the alpha and I'm the omega. <laughs> and so why so why do we follow a different Jesus we than following this carpenter who named his three best buddies the sons of thunder and the rock. I mean that really impacted me because I I I consider myself a manly man. I've loved the same woman all my life or you know all my married married life. I've I've raised three three young great kids. You know, uh, I serve in ministry. Yeah, I love to hunt. I love to fish. I love to work out. I love to do these things. I consider myself a man's man. But before all of that, I consider myself God's man. And I think that's masculine. And I think the best version of myself has to include service and worship of the God who made me. How can I ever be the best version of myself if I purposefully neglect the God who created me? If If I don't acknowledge him with complete and total devotion, I can never be the, I'm less than the man God wants me to be. And so that's I so think good. that's an issue when, when there are organizations out there that work with men that secularize things. They're, they're, they're not getting to the core of manhood. They're just scratching the surface. And yeah, those guys, their lives may change. They may be better men, but they're not the men that they've been built to be. We're built Lord Tough. That was for you, buddy. Ow. You're a Ford guy. Oh, there you Lord go. Tough. That's so good. <laughs> Okay, so, well, and my last one that I had on here was um, number 92, Grinding It Out with Mark Helsing. Oh, man, what a stud. That guy, he doesn't know how tough he is. (laughs) The the thing that stood out to me was that whole... Um, his those step ups. The that he step does. ups he does. He uh, lives in St. Louis, he's Missouri, training in a flatlands for hill for, country. Yeah, <laughs> and to get up before anybody else and to get after it. If we took that kind of uh, discipline in our life for the things that matter, oh man. Well, what I love about Mark is he's so unassuming. He just says it in a monotone way, and we're like, okay, you live in Missouri, right? So Missouri, we went out there to speak at a men's conference, and the only time you see a hill is at an overpass. And then yeah. there's a lake by it because they had to dig out the flatland to create a, a overpass, but it created a lake. So now they fill it with water, plant it with fish, and then the, the landowner's happy, right? Put some trees around it. But here's a guy who lives in the flatlands, and he climbs on his – he gets with dumbbells in the dark on a box, and he just does thousands and thousands of step-ups. He just grinds it out yeah. with nobody clapping, nobody awake. Nobody's seen. I really respected yeah. that man, and that was a really a fun podcast to listen to. Well, hey, we're almost out of time, Dale, but I just want to thank our listeners for subscribing. Every time you subscribe, you uh, help us to change the lives of men and to change the world in which men live. So, guys, uh, we have a, we have something I'm really excited about I want to share. We have created a closed Facebook page. It's only for guys. It's called The Men in the Arena. 
We have open forum in there. Sometimes the discussions get pretty heated. We just want to become the men that God has created us to be. So get get in that forum. It doesn't matter what you believe. Get in there. Uh, you're going to love it. We want to see 30,000 guys in that forum in the next couple of years. Also, uh, I'm almost done, Dale. <laughs> I want to be done by Christmas. The Man Card book, <laughs> which is the five characteristics separating men from the boys, is going to be done here in a couple days. Uh, it will be uh, re- there'll be a secret unveiling at our first ever men, our man card podcast. I'm sorry, our man card weekend with the men in the arena. We're going to give those guys that book, and then we're going to do a book launch in the summertime. And we're hoping for great things. I think this book is the best book out there for men. I think it's going to change the, the culture of manhood as men identify with the five things that really make a man a man. So. Hey, guys. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Man Card podcast and helping us reflect and celebrate 100 episodes of our podcast. Hey, you've been listening to the Man Card podcast, helping us change this world one man at a time as simple as one, two, three. Listen to the podcast, share it with your friends, and write a positive review. And give us input. Keep us informed about topics you'd like to listen to or men you'd like to hear from. We want you to become the best version of you. You can go to our free The Great Hunt for God app and send us a message through the Contact Us section. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Guys, jump out of the bleachers. Feel the dirt of the arena floor. Smell the stench of battle. Hear the roar of the crowd. Get dirty, grind it out, and at the end of the day, be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of a man, then purchase your own copy of the Field Guide, our bathroom book for men. Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right, 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your copy for you and your friends on our website at thegreathuntforgod.com. You will also find our five-book man card series. Grab several copies, recruit some friends, and champion the cause for men today. We are donor-supported, non-profit organization with the mission to transform the lives of men and those they love. If today's podcast has inspired you, consider being a financial champion by going to The Great Hunt for God and click the Give link in the menu drop-down. Also, download The Great Hunt for God app today. It is available in all the app stores for all devices. It has videos, podcasts, our store, and many other links to the world of The Great Hunt for God. Thank you for listening, and good hunting. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.